our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, and welcome back to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas, and I'm so glad you're tuning in today. In our last episode, we talked about navigating the unexpected challenges and diagnoses that many parents face. I sat down with Dr. Kelly Freyden, who's a pediatrician, and we explored the experience of getting an unexpected diagnosis or navigating an unexpected challenge as a parent, and also how to get support, the emotions that can come up. And in today's episode, I invited Amanda Berg onto the podcast. Amanda is a mom to a type 1 diabetic toddler and a former NICU nurse. Her toddler was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes at 26 months old when their second baby was only four months old. So yeah, an unexpected challenge. In this raw and vulnerable conversation, Amanda gets real about the challenges and the trauma associated with the diagnosis, hospitalization, and then pain of the disease management. There are so many reasons that you might be tuning in to today's episode specifically based on your particular situation. And whatever the reason is, I'm so glad you're here. And I believe that you're going to leave this episode feeling a lot less alone and with hope and resources and next steps to take to get support for yourself. Okay, before we dive in, I did want to share with all of you that if you are based in California and you have been looking for support through therapy, my group practice is currently accepting new clients. You can check out the link in the show notes to learn more about our group practice of therapists who specialize in supporting parents. If you're not based in California, I never want to leave you out. There's a link in the show notes just for you. It'll take you to a blog post that I wrote up for you on the steps that you can take to find a good fit therapist that maybe takes a similar approach as I do in your area. All right. I'm so glad you're tuning in today. Let's get to the conversation. You're listening to Holding Space Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Cassidy Freitas. I'm a mom to three and licensed marriage and family therapist. I'm really glad that you took the time to hold space for you by tuning in to today's episode. My hope with this podcast is to share conversations with experts from around the world and parents who've been through it so that maybe you feel a little less alone in your experiences and the messy side of being a parent and being a human 
and so that you can walk away with supportive steps for what to do next. Listening to this episode is not a substitute for seeking support from a professional in your area. I believe that holding space and offering presence to both ourselves and others is truly one of the most meaningful ways that we can express care. And you are so deserving of that care. All right, are you ready? Let's dive in. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for coming on today and for all your flexibility. Uh, We previously had this um, recording scheduled and um, my our, our family dog passed away that day and you were just so compassionate, empathic and and flexible and understanding all the things and I just uh, really appreciate that and so thrilled to finally get a chance to sit down with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me and of course I would not put up a fight or throw a fit. <laughs> Your poor family dog. Like, I'm so sorry that Aww. that happened to you. And and as you and I were chatting before we started recording, um, yeah, there was a lot of grief and 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 I took um that day and the day after off. Uh and and there was a lot of peace, right? Like it's pretty wild how grief and peace and even grief and joy can dance together. There was, um, there was a lot of that, uh, in the lead up and then the day and then following his passing, just, it was time. And there was just like so much time spent in like memory and like just reclaiming the, the relationship with him before he left us. Um, because things were really hard at the end, taking care of a senior dog. Yes. I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. The grief and joy dancing together Mm -hmm. is that, that hits home for me for sure. Well, I have a feeling we might be touching on more of that as we dive into our conversation today. And, um, and before we totally dive in. I would love to get a chance to introduce you to the listener. And so Amanda, maybe you could share a little bit about yourself, what lights you up and what you're passionate about bringing us to this conversation. Sure. Okay. So yes, I am Amanda and I am a mom to two toddlers, an almost two-year-old and an almost four-year-old. I am a former NICU nurse, so I had a lot of passion in my, um, you know, early days of my career taking care of tiny, sick babies. And then after I had my second baby, just four months postpartum, our two-year-old was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and she came very close to losing her life, and my passion completely shifted to obviously being a mother, but um, being a caretaker of my daughter who now has this chronic illness. And so I left my job as a NICU nurse and, um, you know, focused on raising these two girls. And slowly but surely, I dove into the online type 1 diabetes community And one thing led to another, and I'm at this point where 
I'm incredibly passionate about spreading awareness and providing just a source of comfort, I suppose, to other parents who are going through what I went through because it was it was a pretty terrible experience, to be frank. Yeah. And, and one thing that I'm really um, – I feel really grateful to you for is, is just in our prior conversations leading up to this recording – uh, you're, you've, you've obviously done a lot of work to be able to speak to these experiences, not just because you're in the messy middle. I mean, sure, it's, are we ever on the other? It's, it's always messy middle, but like you've gotten support in a space where now you can offer support and speak to these things in a way where others can 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 hear it, take it in, feel less alone. And so I, I, I would actually love to give you an opportunity to share with the listener what what all this looked like in the really messy moments of it all, right? Yeah. Um, the, the impact it had on your mental health, the trauma connected to this whole experience. Sure. Um, it's quite quite a long story. So I do – I am going to provide just a little bit of background to, um, you know, explain why I got to the point that I did, which, you know, ended up being a full-on panic attack while driving my children on the freeway, and mm-hmm. that is when I was forced to seek mental help. Yeah. Um. So, before all of this happened with the diabetes diagnosis. My husband and I, we've been together since high school. We have a very strong relationship and that is a consistent, that's a solid, but we have been dealt our fair share of challenges. And um, I guess I'll start mainly with, we got pregnant in 2018 for the first time unexpectedly, but it was more than welcome and we lost that baby. Um and then it, you know, made us realize we are ready. We want to start our family. And so we mm. tried again. We yeah. got pregnant again. And that was amazing. But we lost that baby too. Mm. And I had to have like a DNC for that pregnancy loss. So there was just extra trauma. Um, yeah. Yeah. Related to that aspect of it. And then we got pregnant with our oldest. Her name is Hattie. And that was, you know, just scary. I, at that point, hadn't had a healthy pregnancy yet, and we weren't sure. So a lot of anxiety surrounding that pregnancy. And halfway through, we found out she actually had a heart condition that we caught within a week of it becoming fatal. Oh, wow. So, yes. Then the pregnancy obviously became high risk. I had to be hospitalized lots of medications, constantly seeing high-risk doctors. And then she was born a month early, and she was actually in the same NICU that I worked in. (laughs) Wow. Oh, my gosh. So it was a lot. That was just a lot happening in a year and a half for us. It was a lot. And then, um, you know, like I had pretty severe postpartum anxiety with her, considering everything. (laughs) And once I finally felt like I was catching my breath, COVID hit. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, any, really, Amanda, any one of these things, right, are um, 
we all can experience loss and medical situations in different ways, right? But I just want to name that like any one of these things would have been a huge stressor, traumatizing potentially, right? And and a risk factor for, um, yeah, experiencing anxiety or trauma, PTSD, depression. Yes. Um, and, and then COVID hits and, and I know from what you've shared with me, it, the, the pileup of stressors didn't stop there. No, the pileup did not stop there. We, the next thing that happened was we got pregnant with our second unexpectedly. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, we are very grateful. I do want to put out there that we are fertile, you know? Like, yeah, I don't want to, um, I don't want anyone to take away like, oh, just be, just be grateful that you can get pregnant. We are very grateful that we can get pregnant, mm-hmm. but in the same breath, we weren't prepared because yeah. our first was 14 months when we got pregnant with our second. And I really struggled with that pregnancy because it also happened. It coincided with the death of my mother-in-law. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a challenging pregnancy. Looking back, I definitely had some perinatal depression that was undiagnosed and that I wasn't acknowledging. Yeah. And then we had our second baby and it was a healing birth, but cause she was, a, you know, had no health issues and everything went according to plan, but I was so disconnected. Um, mm-hmm from her. And so then I, again, looking back, realized I was battling some pretty severe postpartum depression. Yeah. And then right when I kind of felt like my head was coming above water is when my two-year-old's diabetes diagnosis happened. Um, And we can, I know we can get into the nitty gritty of that story if you want, because that I, I do think it would be helpful um, to kind of under for the listener to kind of hear your experience and how like symptoms and how 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 you came to the diagnosis, right? Like things to look for and what the process was of getting the diagnosis and getting the support. But I do I do just want to check in on on you first, like even just right here right now, Amanda, as we're as we're talking and you're sharing all of these experiences, like as a narrative, right? Like mm-hmm. what I mean by narrative is you've, you've gone through the experiences. I know that you've gotten support. And so now you're kind of speaking, you're speaking about it. Like these, the, here's a story of this season of my life. And, and I guess I would love to hear a little bit about what it's like for you right now, as you're kind of going back and sharing this narrative publicly. Right. Um, yeah. And, what steps did you take to get you to a place where you can speak about it in the way that you are now from, from a scar, right? Like Mm -hmm. these experiences, these traumas, they, they leave, they leave pieces, they, they, they leave things within us, right? Um, it impacts us deeply. Um, but to be able to share it in the way that you are now. Hey there, a quick word on our sponsor for today's podcast, Cozy Earth. If you are a regular listener, you have heard me talk about Cozy Earth before. I am a huge fan of Cozy Earth and their loungewear, and I recently put in a new order. I never really wear like 
traditional pajamas to bed, like something that was meant to be a pajama set. I'm usually just wearing like a t-shirt, an old shirt, or some sweatpants that I was wearing that afternoon, evening, and then I just wear that to bed. I get up in the morning, I'm still wearing that. And I wanted to have some better nighttime rituals, and that included taking a step to actually buy pajamas. I put in a new order on Cozy Earth and I ordered their bamboo pajama short and the pants in stretch knit along with the bamboo pajama top in blush. And I love it. I look forward to my nighttime routine, getting out of my daytime clothes and evening clothes and actually putting on these pajamas. I think I might be sleeping even better with my new ritual. If you are interested in Getting a pair of pajamas for yourself too, or for someone you love, check out CozyEarth.com. I have a code for you. As a Holding Space listener, you can use the code DRCASSIDY35 for 35% off your order. Go check out the link in the show notes for CozyEarth.com and check out their loungewear and the pajama set in bamboo. I love it. What is it like to share share it now and what helped you get to this now place of being able to share this narrative. Yeah. Sharing it now is very healing. Um, kind of depends on the day, honestly. Sometimes <laughs> it's like very sleep dependent or even where I'm oh, at in my yeah. cycle dependent, you yeah, know. Totally. Um, I am emotional talking about it, but obviously I'm not sobbing and hysterical crying on the ground, which trust me, I went through that phase yeah, too. It doesn't feel like when you talk about it, there isn't the, it isn't triggering in this, in the way in which you feel like you're re-experiencing it. And like, it's, is, would you say that's the case? That is definitely the case. Yeah. I, I can put myself back there, but I've been able to compartmentalize where, um, I know that that chapter is closed and done mm-hmm. and where we're at currently is healthy, happy, and thriving. And Mm. I put in so much effort, work, you know, lots of hours, lots of talking to a lot of people to get to this point. Yeah. Um, But I I can very easily slip back into the person I was experiencing each moment. Um, Mm. And, you know, I hold on to a little bit of emotion there, but I don't let it overtake me. You know, what I've what I've witnessed with clients who have experienced trauma, pile up stressors, you know, there our brain our brain takes those experiences that were so intense and so threatening in so many different ways and it stores it in a way that is meant to keep us safe, right? Mm-hmm. Stores it in a way where these parts of us that got triggered or showed up or developed as a way to survive these different scenarios, I almost picture them like little guards, you know, Mm -hmm. and the memories are stored in a way that kind of keeps it really at the forefront and really only focuses on the parts that felt like threats during these experiences, right? Like Mm -hmm. all the rest is like, okay, well, that's that's not a safety issue, right? Like that one little like glimmer moment or that one really supportive person or that supportive face or that thing that was said that was really helpful. That's not, that's not important right now, right? Like these parts of us that are these guards to keep us safe are like, we have to focus on the threats, 
the things that, and look for anything that's similar or familiar so that we can be on guard for this thing that was so scary so that we can keep our, ourselves safe. Like we can keep Amanda safe, right? Yeah. And our loved ones safe. And, and so when I hear you kind of express like how you've been able to kind of compartmentalize and you can talk about it and the emotions there, but it's, it's like, it's what I really think is happening there is it's stored in a different way in your brain now from processing and getting yeah. support. And now you being able to share this story is a way in which you're making meaning of your experience and being able yeah. to help others as well. And, and I think that these parts of you, these, these parts of you, Amanda, are are also getting a chance to to rest and mm-hmm. to show up in different ways and uh, take on different roles and can kind of trust that you self like will like if things start to feel triggering or start to feel like too much trust that you will show up to get more support to advocate for yourself to yes make space for for rest to make meaning of all of to help make meaning of the experiences that's that's what i hear yes that is um that's very accurate i i will say that because i dove into the online diabetes space and i part of my job now is to share my story so often it has been incredibly healing And it's also very healing knowing that in sharing my story, I am being given the opportunity to help someone else not go through what I went through Mm. or to alleviate it or to hasten it or, you know, just to make it less severe. Um, Maybe to help them make meaning of it and feel less alone even, you know, like if it was if they can really relate to the traumatizing, intense parts that you've, that you've named here. Yeah. What did, what was a, what, so connecting with the online community um, and feeling less alone and was, it sounds like was a huge part of your healing. Can -hmm. you share other elements of your healing that you found were really important and powerful so the listener can maybe get some ideas because sometimes when you're just in the trenches, it feels like I don't even know where to start, you know? Yes. So. Yeah. Well, I will say that I started with figuring out how I needed to process everything immediately after the diagnosis happened and the traumatic hospital stay happened. And the way that my husband and I process trauma, because now we've had all this, you know, all these experiences to practice it is um, we fold inward to each other. We initially and immediately need space from other people. We need just a few Mm -hmm. of our closest people to be aware of what's happening. Mm -hmm. Boundaries. Um, Yes. And so I figured out pretty quickly what boundaries were necessary for myself I put them up, I held strong, and if anyone didn't like them, which some people in my life really did not like them, I just thought to myself, it's not your life, yeah. it is mine. Yeah. And so it was hard, that, that was a really hard phase, 
Um, and then it kind of snowballed from there into needing therapy because like I mentioned about three months post-diagnosis, I was driving the girls on the freeway and just the constant heightened awareness of I have to manage my daughter's diabetes because it's truly a life or death Mm. disease process. Yeah. Um, That coupled with having a newborn that I'm still breastfeeding, waking up through the night, um, it led to a true panic attack. Like I was actually seconds away from passing out on the freeway while driving my girls. That when I, when I really talk about that experience um, makes me very emotional and uh, after that, my husband came and picked us up from the freeway. I, I literally couldn't get a, into a car without having a panic attack. Yeah. And then I couldn't pick up my baby without having a panic attack because I was just, my brain was convincing me that I was going to harm them in some yeah. way. Um, and my husband is the best and brought us home from the side of the freeway that day. And he searched all the available mental health resources for me and just handed me his phone and said, pick one. You're seeing Mm. a psychiatrist today. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a couple of key points in what you just shared. One boundaries. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. what I really love that you named here in the context of setting a boundary, which I think sometimes is not something we initially realize about boundaries, is that boundaries are not actually about convincing the other person, right? Whether it's our toddler (laughs) about a boundary or a family member or a friend, we have to convince ourselves. We have to decide this this feels like the right value-informed, driven, priority boundary for myself, for my family, for us, convince ourselves. And then we name it. We communicate the boundary. We hold the boundary. And others get to have their opinions, just like your toddler gets to have an opinion about the boundary, about turning the TV off, right? Like they get to feel their feelings. So do others. That is their right. And yet you still get to decide for yourself. You've convinced yourself this is a boundary that we need. And uh, I feel like that's that's how you kind of described the boundary setting process for yourself. Yeah, which I can, which I think is is so important. And and then also hear that when you needed help, how your support person stepped in. So a lot of times there, I do get questions around how, like, from if I'm working with a client from a family member or from a loved one or a partner, how do I support my you know, partner or, you know, adult daughter or friend who is really struggling. And a lot of times when we are in that space, what we need is for them to activate the next step of getting Mm -hmm. the support that we really need. And for you, it was your partner doing some of the research. Here are some folks who either are take our insurance or Mm -hmm. are close by or, seem to be really aligned with like the specialty of what it is that I think you're you're saying you need support around. And here are three options and here are the numbers 
Um, or I sent the initial email and they you know, they can set up a consult call and now I'll, now I'll pass it to you so that you have the agency, right. And making that yes. next, that decision of who the support person will be, if it feels aligned. Um, and gosh, even sometimes ways people can support is financially or childcare wise or yeah. a meal or taking something off of your plate um, so that you can take those necessary steps to support yourself so you can – because you deserve it even outside of all the other roles that you hold, but also so that the family system as a whole um, can function. Yes. Yeah. He He immediately recognized that I was frozen from decision overload my whole life, you know, but definitely decision overload in uh, the two and a half short years that we were parenting. I want to, I want to interject here really quick that like not everybody's partner would maybe immediately recognize that or um think of a way I can maybe support my partner is by recognizing they have decision overload and like stepping in and, you know, taking some decisions off the plate, right? Mm -hmm. In a way that feels like they're not taking agency away in a way that feels right, right? Um, Do you have like any, any tips or pieces of advice here that you think has supported you and your partner getting into this place where he was able to recognize that, where there was that, as you've named between you and him, like this kind of constant, right? That like has been really important through all of this. Yeah. I will say the amount of time that we've been together, like, you know, there's nothing more valuable than just putting in the effort for that many years. We're approaching 14 years together. So um, I know that's not necessarily helpful for people who might be struggling, who don't have that kind of time under their belt, but we have constantly communicated. We just talk and talk and talk and talk. And eventually, however many years into the relationship, maybe four or five we got to this point where we realized we're talking and that's awesome, but it's taking us forever to come to this point of truly understanding what the other person is trying to say Mm. and what's blocking that. And for us, it was ego. And so Mm. we acknowledged that, named it, and every fight from there on out was like, you know, okay, are are you pushing back because of your mm-hmm. ego or not? As a mom to three, my partner and I find that one of the biggest struggles we have faced in our relationship is navigating sharing responsibilities and the mental load. And I know that we're not alone because this shows up with all of my clients and in every podcast episode, the mental load of parenting shows up in some way or another. Enter the scene, coexist. Coexist is the app that's revolutionizing how couples manage the mental load of household tasks and childcare. It's like having a personal assistant right in your pocket, helping you and your partner effortlessly share tasks, plan meals, collaborate on lists, and even give each other kudos along the way. 
Here's the cherry on top for my amazing community. Coexist is offering an exclusive deal. Sign up for a two week free trial before June 15th, and you'll get 15% off the annual plan on iOS with the code drcassidy 15. So what are you waiting for? Really take that first step towards a more harmonious home life today. Download Coexist on Android or iOS at getcoexist.com. The load in our home has been feeling a little bit lighter since downloading Coexist, and yours can feel lighter too when you download the Coexist app at getcoexist.com. Since becoming a parent and as I've gotten older, I've become a lot more mindful of the supplements and products that I use, and that's why I love Peary. These are natural food supplements that I trust completely. Let's talk a bit about collagen. So collagen is so important for our bodies, but our natural production of it slows as we get older. So I've learned. And quality supplements support our muscle, bone, and joint health. Recently, I've been taking Puri's CP1 Pure Collagen Peptides. It was number one out of 28 collagens tested by the Organic Consumers Association and Clean Label Project. There are enough hard decisions that we make every day as parents, and this makes Puri an easy choice. See and feel the difference with Puri. I know you'll love their supplements as much as I do. Puri is offering my listeners an amazing deal, 20% off site-wide. Just go to my special URL, puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy, and use my promo code Dr. Cassidy. So go to P-U-O-R-I.com slash Dr. Cassidy. Don't miss out. Use promo code Dr. Cassidy at puri.com backslash Dr. Cassidy. Yeah. And, um, I think once we both got really practiced in tossing our ego aside quickly, we were able to get to the point of what the other person was trying to say immediately. Yeah. And in doing that time and time and time again, we just began to, you know, I don't know, work, work in a, in this way where we, yeah sense what the other person needs before they have to say it. You know, my husband and I, we're also been together since high school. So it's been like over like 20 years, I think. (laughs) Um, and, and, and I will say that, you know, we, we did have the time and in our relationship, the, when we had pregnancy loss, when we were postpartum, you know, and I was a therapist. Gosh, there was so much, I think, and I think this is part of what kept us from getting support earlier. There was a lot of kind of shame of like, I should, we should, all the shoulds, all the shitting all, all over the yeah. relationship, like be able to get through this, be able to communicate effectively. This should bring us closer. We should, be, yeah. And it was, the relationship was one of the stressors for me over a decade ago when we had our first and had our pregnancy loss. And it, and then, and for us, it took going to therapy, getting support, having someone else in there to help us identify, you know, you you named it as ego here and, you know, the link and and a lot of times it's just semantics and the language that I've used is like the parts of ourselves, you know, like Mm -hmm. ego being a part, right? Like, so to the point now where when him and I are get, get caught up in our cycles, like I, 
we're able to see how different parts of ourselves that we've that came that were that predate the relationship, even though we've been together for so long, right? Like things that we had learned were adaptive when we were kids, right? Mm-hmm. When when there was conflict or tension or we felt misunderstood, right? Or we were overstimulated that would show up in the relationship and definitely showed up in when when we weren't sleeping as much, when we had yes. somebody else that we were responsible for and all these new decisions to make together, when intimacy was impacted. And it really did take doing couples work and not just once, but like like continuously when we get caught up in a space where we are having a hard time seeing each other and seeing how we're on, like giving each other the most generous interpretation and being able to see we're on the same side, yes. coming back to it, you know? I it's love been our like that. I think we, and I think that we will continuously throughout our relationship be coming back to that. Yeah. Yeah. The the generous generosity like interpretation. I yeah. truly love that because I agree when we get into a negative cycle, because it happens. I mean, it's a marriage, it's a partnership, yeah. it's going to happen. But going back to thinking the best of the other person is going to expedite mm-hmm. those fights and misunderstandings because yeah. um, you're working towards the same goal instead mm-hmm. of fighting against each other. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's talk. I want to transition here a little bit um, to kind of looking more specifically at the diabetes diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I know that this has now become like your life's work is yeah. education and support and helping bridge the resources. So, what are what is what are the things that you would you really want the listener to hear about? The, di- the diagnosis process, right, and yeah. and then the lifelong chronic, right, like yeah. support that both you and your child need. Sure. So <laughs> it's a lot. Um, I think that first of all, if you don't have diabetes in the family and you don't know anyone with diabetes, we as a society associate diabetes with type 2 diabetes. And so there's kind of this preconceived notion that diabetes equals soda and candy, essentially, right? And type 2 diabetes is a whole other beast in and of itself. Type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune condition your body attacks itself. It attacks the cells that produce insulin. Insulin is a hormone that courses through the body that allows your cells to be fed the nutrition they need. Yeah. And so when your body attacks those cells, basically you no longer have the keys to get nutrition into your cells. Your cells die. If your cells die, you die. It's truly a life or death um, chronic illness. And so I think that's the first thing that I want to put out there is how incredibly serious type 1 diabetes is. And, um, you know, there's so many people who live with it and manage it. And so it, it can sometimes feel like, oh, it's diabetes. You just give yourself some insulin and eat the food you need and that's yeah. it and that's not it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um so that's yeah. type 1 diabetes just 
you know, in a very quick nutshell, but in terms of the diagnosis process, the main signs are if you're thirsty, you can't, can't get enough water. You could drink a gallon of water and you're still thirsty. If you're so hungry, you can eat an entire plate of Mexican food and you aren't satiated at all. Mm. If you are peeing constantly and if you're losing weight. So those are the four main signs and symptoms to look out for. But there's a lot of other things, you know, associated with that, especially with young children. If you would like, I can get into what it looked like uh, for my daughter and how I, I, think I that knew would be to helpful. get her seen. You know, just yeah. I think the listener, you know, would be if there is that concern, right? Like, you know, to, to I think that's a helpful piece. And 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 sure. or if they've already gone through it, just to kind of see, gosh, you know, this was this was hard and, and I'm not alone. I think there's yeah, benefits on both ends. Definitely. Okay, so the story is um in December of 2021, the four of us as a family all got COVID at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so this is all around Christmas and we're isolated and whatever. And we're all not feeling great, right? But my two-year-old, she's thirsty, but she's saying, my throat hurts. I have a sore throat. So I'm mm-hmm. missing a lot of these signs and symptoms. Yeah. Um, so I'm giving her ice water. I'm giving her Pedialyte. You push fluids on your child that has a virus that's We all know to do that. So now she's starting to pee through some of her diapers, but that's not concerning for me yet because again, pushing fluids, um, her appetite's a little funky. She doesn't want this. She only wants these sweet things. She wants yogurt and berries. Well, she's a two-year-old who's sick. Of course she wants what she wants to eat, right? Yeah. Um, she's lethargic. Her naps are three hours instead of 90 minutes. Yeah, I would love to nap all day too with this, you know, virus. Like I'm, we're all tired. So the thing that made me, the the thing that made everything click, was I picked her up one morning and she had peed through a nighttime diaper again and soaked into the mattress and her breath smelled like port wine to me. That's another mm. sign. It's a late sign. It's a scary sign. Because the body is literally attempting to get rid of the acid that's building up Mm. and it smells sweet, sickly, and everything from nursing school came flooding back. Mm. And I looked at my husband and I said, she has type one diabetes. I can feel it. And he was sort of like, can kids even get it? Like, I don't know. I barely remember it from that one chapter in nursing school the NICU babies don't have type one diabetes. Like I wasn't practiced in my nursing career dealing with type one diabetes and it's not in either side of the family and neither one of us had any friends with it growing up. So we were really in the dark here. Yeah. And this was on a Saturday and of course we still had COVID. So I was hesitant to bring her into a hospital. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I end up, on the phone with more doctors than I can even remember because I just, it wasn't feeling right. And they were all dismissing my concerns saying it's not type one diabetes. It's definitely not. It's the COVID. She has a UTI. 
And it got to the point where one doctor even said to me, like, I want you to come in and we will do a a straight catheterization, meaning put a catheter up your daughter's urethra to get a clean urine sample. And I told her, no, I just want the finger prick to check the, the blood sugar reading. And um, she said, well, if you're not going to consent to that, that's your decision. And you can wait until Monday to see your pediatrician. Oh my gosh. The medical gaslighting and the yes. like, uh, and if we had waited till Monday, she would not have been alive. Oh, um, so I ended up taking her to urgent care because it, I just could not. Yeah. I wasn't going to, yeah, I wasn't going to sleep that night. So I figured I'm just going to take her in and her blood sugar did not even read on the meter. It was well over 555 for reference. Healthy people who have a functioning pancreas barely get over 140 ish after eating a sugary meal. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was in DKA, which stands for diabetic ketoacidosis. And that is step one of your body and organs fully shutting down. So she was um, beginning to die. And so we were sent to the children's hospital. We were told, you don't get to go home. You go straight to the hospital. They have a bed waiting. They know you are coming. And from there, it was just about the worst 48 hours of our lives. Um, Yeah. Because she had COVID, we were in an isolation room. My oh my gosh. was at home. They wouldn't take my milk that I was pumping in the room to put in the fridge because of the COVID isolation. So they just gave me a bag of ice. My husband couldn't come in for the education. They allowed him up for one 30 minute session. So it became my responsibility to teach him everything about type one diabetes. Oh gosh. Um, yeah. And then not to mention like the medical trauma of a 26 month old being held down for IV after IV after IV. Yeah. I, that part, that part still gets me. Yeah. It can't not like, I, I don't know if I'll ever recover from that really. Yeah. So, mm. uh, yeah, that was our story and life was different forever. Life was different. <laughs> She's here. Yeah. She's alive. You advocated, you're spreading the education now, you're teaching others, and you experience medical gaslighting. Mm-hmm. You had to take on a load on your own. There was trauma along so many steps of the way. Yes. Now, I love to hear a little bit about these steps you've taken to make meaning of your Mm -hmm. experience and to teach others. This has become a life's passion for you. Mm -hmm. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that so that the listener from hearing this now is, is either being educated. This is not something that they, that they is currently a part of their life, but they're, they're now being educated. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, they're tuning in because this is something that they've lived through and that is a part of their life. And now there are resources that you have that you could share sure. with those families. So I'd love to hear now what, you, what you're what you doing. Yeah. 
Well, before I get into that, I do want to say that after I had my panic attack and I was seen by a psychiatrist, I got a diagnosis of um, crippling, <laughs> high-functioning anxiety, yeah. which was, you know, no longer high-functioning. And so right. what was necessary for me and for my brain was to get started on medication. So yeah. Getting started on anti-anxiety medication and then having weekly therapy for nine months got me to this place where I was back at baseline and Mm. baseline was when I started healing. Okay. Um, Thank you for naming that, that trajectory of that. You know, I think that's really important. It was very important because I think that so many people are searching for how do I get better? And I'm like, you have to put on your own oxygen mask first. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And then I actually did not have social media and I gave it up when I was 19 and that there was, Mm -hmm. you know, we had an appointment with, um, Hattie's endocrinologist and we were talking to a nurse and I was struggling and I was kind of given some pushback. And at one point she stopped and looked at me and said, what kind of support do you have? And I broke down and I didn't think I was going to cry. And I just said, what do you mean support? Like, I'm the only person in the world with a two-year-old diabetic. What are you talking about? (laughs) And um, she was like, you know, Instagram today, right now. And I was like, I don't want to. And she was like, just do it. And so I did. And that's where this all started is I found this community and I found this company called Type One Together. And it is a small business that provides products and resources and community and education to type one families. So it's geared towards type one children, but obviously it's for parents and, you know, caretakers of those type one children. And I loved what the founder and owner was bringing to the space. She is a type one diabetic herself in her mid twenties. Um, but she does not have children. And I actually reached out to her and said, Hey, I really love what you're doing. I do think there's something missing in this space regarding a parent's perspective and like the honesty, the real truth, because, you know, it's the internet. So everything I was seeing (laughs) was a lot of like, my child's blood sugars are perfect. And Look at, you know, know, the the double-edged sword of social media. Yeah. I just wasn't vibing what, what I was seeing and I kind of wanted to interject a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And she had a call with me and asked me to make a video talking about my experience and I did, and it just took off. So I am now type one together's director of parent support. Mm -hmm. I lead the charge on all things, um, content related to the parent experience. And I Mm -hmm. drop tips and tricks about how to give injections to those tiny kids who run away because they just can't handle one more shot. I talk about the pros and cons of pumps and continuous glucose monitors and just things of that nature. Mm. So beautiful. Um, I just want to thank you, Amanda, for taking the time today to 
share with us so many different pieces of your story, the hard, the healing, <laughs> and all of the things in between. And I know it's it's just the Cliff Notes version, right? I mean, yes. it's, it's, it's the narrative. It's the narrative that you have today in, 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 in how it comes out in the context of this, of this recording, right? And I know there's, of course, so many other layers and pieces and things to teach and things to share and learn. And so I'd love to kind of end with you, with giving you a chance to share where the listener can continue to connect with you and learn more about Type 1 Together and also just continue to learn from you. Yeah. So yes, I am on Type 1 Together's Instagram mostly. That's where most of our content lies. And it's just at Type 1 Together. One is uh, O-N-E, not the number one. Mm -hmm. And we're also on TikTok. It is type1together.com. That's our website where you can buy some of the products that we sell, like hand crocheted stuffed animals that have insulin pumps sewn onto them. Oh my gosh. Yeah, cute things like that. We've created online courses to help newly diagnosed families get up to speed or to help teach the grandparents that just aren't quite getting Mm. it or whoever else. Yeah. Um, So yeah, that's, that's where you can find us. Um, and my business partner also brings so much invaluable information to the space, you know, being somebody who lives with it and has been living with it since she was five. So there's also that perspective that you gain Mm -hmm. by following us. Yeah. To kind of see like, all, the, all that's possible, right? Because I, I imagine there could be moments where the stress of the future comes in. And so having yes. both you in it as the parent and her who's lived through it as a child yes. and into adulthood, that's sounds like that's where the magic happens. Yeah. Bring, bridging those things together. We think it's a winning combo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. I will share links to all that you've shared in the show notes so the listener can go straight there to learn more and connect. I really appreciate you coming on today. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you so much, Cassie, for having me. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, you might want to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when future episodes air. And go and explore some of those past episodes. Maybe there's a topic in there that you've really been wanting to learn more about. You can learn more about my private practice as well as my parenting courses and workshops at the link in the show notes. You held space for yourself today. You carved out the time and you tuned into this episode. I hope you take a moment to honor how meaningful that is. Yes, to me for sure, but also for you. Thank you for tuning in and I'll catch you next time. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you.